0: It's time for my one, two, three cents of a podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah!
1: Now, here's your host.
0: The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo!
1: It's time for school, but you're not going to be saved by this bell. Established in 2016, Stride Pro Wrestling trainers have put their years of experience to help train the next generation of professional wrestlers. Nearly a dozen students have graduated and are now making a name for themselves, not only here at Stride Pro Wrestling, but beyond. Our athletes aren't locked into any long-term contracts, so if you want to train, use your head and contact Stride Pro Wrestling today. It's training you'll flip for. So kick your future into high gear now.
0: He's going to get his shot eventually at Hulk Hogan and become the world's champion. And you're lucky he's not a racehorse. He'd win the Belmont and the Kentucky Derby also because he's our greatest athlete today. And he's the only man that ever left the champion of the world Hulk Hogan lane. And he has a simple name. It's just Mr. Wonderful. And here he comes. You know, Bobby... Some people would say just what you've just said to everybody out there, that that would be bragging. That that would just be thinking that you're cocky. True hurts. But you know something? That's exactly right. The truth really hurts. Because, Hulk Hogan, I have earned respect. You deserve it. I deserve respect. I was drafted in the NFL. I was in the College Football Hall of Fame, high school All-American, the greatest athlete to ever come out of the state of Florida. I've earned it. I deserve to be the next World Heavyweight Champion. You see, Hulk Hogan, the difference between you and I is that I'll do anything at any cost to get something I want. I'll even sell my own family down the river for one reason. And that's our world's anyway built. You see, something, I left you laying right in the middle of the rain. Right then I left you because you thought that I was your friend. (laughs) Friend. You're really dumb. Dumb. Because, Hulk Hogan, I've got you running wild right now. You're on the ranger's at the point of no return. Sooner or later, Hogan, you're going to have to be man enough to sign your name to a contract. And that I'm going to be the champion.
1: Hey friends, welcome to episode 349 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. And joining me this week is Chad Smart. And Chad is uh, a long time friend and supporter of the my one, two, three cents brand. And actually Chad, I I brought you on to do this week's episode uh, as we remember Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, because in 2012, I can't believe it's been that long ago, almost 10 years ago now, you and I actually got to meet Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff at, uh, was that technically a WrestleCon? What, what event was that because there were a lot of superstars there that we got to kind of meet and go around a, a room and, and, get photo ops with it was a really cool thing but i know you kind of planned all of that on our trip to wrestlemania that year
2: uh yeah i believe it was a russell con and I, i'm a little confused because i thought this was supposed to be movie mania and are you telling me i watched all six marine movies for nothing
1: <laughs> yes we will get back on track with Well, you said
2: this was going to be a wonderful show. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I believe it probably was a WrestleCon, because that's the only thing I can really think of that has something that big, Um, and I'm trying to remember, that was in Miami, correct?
1: Yes, yes. Okay.
2: Um, Yeah, because we were Jesse the Body and and Vince McMahon, and- uh, and if
1: if people have seen the cover art for this week's episode, they see us uh, in those fabulous costumes uh, with Mr. uh, Paul Orndorff, so-
2: yeah. Um, yeah, I, I believe it was Russell Kahn. And I, yeah, that was, I mean, that was a fun one because that's one where Jake Roberts grabbed my breast. Yes. And uh, and then the headbangers started kind of interviewing us, which threw me off my game.
1: <laughs> that was, that was a, a lot of fun. And w- when we go to these things, you know, and I often, like you just brought up two great, you know, memories with Jake the Snake and with, with the headbangers. Um, you know, obviously as you're going around, it's almost like, the, the way this one was set up, I feel like it was not as crazy or crowded as other wrestle cons that we've been to before. I felt like we got through the lines pretty quickly and we were able to, obviously you're not able to engage in like a long-term conversation because a lot of times it's, it is that kind of cattle mentality of get them in, get them out. Let's get the next picture. Let's get the next photo op or whatever. Um, so There was nothing, unfortunately, you know, about meeting Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, it was cool meeting Paul Orndorff, and we'll get into more of those reasons in just a few minutes. But, like, I don't remember there being any kind of, like you said, that interaction like that we had with Jake the Snake or or with the Headbangers. There was nothing like that that stood out to me, at least, uh, with Paul Orndorff. Do you remember anything that I might be forgetting?
2: No, I'm trying to remember... I should have probably looked at the photos before we started recording. Because I think this is one where... Does, did, did he have the mustache? He did and not, no. He did not, okay. Because so I, I think I saw, maybe I just saw him on, you know, when he showed up for one of his appearances on Raw, where I didn't recognize him because I yeah. hadn't seen him. You know, after WCW folded and he kind of um, disappeared for a few years. And so then seeing him back, he didn't look... Like, I don't know if it's just the haircut or, again, at one point he grew a mustache and mm-hmm. became kind of unrecognizable. But, yeah, I think when we met him, he was, it was just more of, you know, okay, quick photo and move on. And, quick, and, and yeah, like you said, this Russell Con was wasn't as crowded. I can't remember if that was because they staggered tickets a little bit better or I know in Miami things were kind of spread out. And so getting from one place to the other was a bit of a challenge and so maybe a lot of people just didn't uh take part in WrestleCon that year uh I don't know uh, what the reason but uh but yeah it definitely seemed less crowded and and then we kind of had I think there were like 10 people that we were getting photos with and they had them in like a kind of in a u-shape and just Mm -hmm. moved you around from one to the other yeah
1: there there were so many greats at at that event too it was Uh, Vader and the Honky Tonk Man, you mentioned Jake the Snake and, and the Headbangers, Paul Orndorff, of course, uh, Tito Santana was there, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and and Diana Hartsmith. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a really, I know I'm probably forgetting some people, but it was just a really cool uh, event. And, you know, I'm glad in hindsight, obviously, uh, that Mr. Wonderful was there. And, Mm-hmm. you know paul orndorff was one of those guys as as i was growing up and when i first really got into wrestling he was one of those very integral parts of the rock and wrestling connection and kind of that storytelling and that building up to the very first wrestlemania and so that's kind of where i want to to start with with him obviously and we're not going to read his Wikipedia page and tell you all about his championship wins and tag teams and, and the things that he did prior to when we started watching, I really wanted this to be more of, of our stories of, of Paul Orndorff. So when, when do you remember really kind of seeing Mr. Wonderful? Was it his WWF stint or was it, you know, prior to that when he was wrestling in the NWA and, and mid Atlantic area or what, what do you remember of him?
2: Yeah, I would say, so, you know, I we talked about this before in the show. I don't remember when I actually got into WWF, mm-hmm. but I remember sometime after Hogan won the title and sometime before WrestleMania, because I watched WrestleMania one live, and um, and it's weird. Yeah, I, I knew Apollo Nord from, you know, from WrestleMania from the main event. I don't have a lot of memories of him turning on. Uh, returning face, after like when that actually, actually happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I, I knew that he did, but it's like, you know, where the cage match on Saturday night's main event falls into that timeline. Like, I don't really have a specific knowledge of that.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. And so-
1: i help you with that.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Uh, all I remember is, you know, when you brought up this topic the other day, I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, I, I never really- If you'd asked me, like, were you a, you know, Mr. Wonderful fan? I probably would have said, "Ah, you know, he was fine, but not really. But then I got to thinking that um, in probably 86, I think I started buying the WWF magazine. Mm -hmm. And I remember the only time that I ordered anything out of the merchandise section, I ordered a calendar and a Mr. Wonderful poster.
1: Oh. So obviously at some point he resonated with you.
2: Yeah. Well, but, yeah, but I don't remember why.
1: <laughs> For me, you know, and, and I was thinking about this and I, and I always, you know, I, I do these kind of uh, things where I I try to build and, and other shows have done things where they, they come up with Mount Rushmore's and, and everybody talks mm-hmm. about the Mount Rushmore of wrestling and who's, the, who's on your Mount Rushmore and yada, yada, yada. And I was thinking about it earlier and, when it comes to Hulk Hogan and his first run in the WWF, you know, that 83 to 93 run uh, you know, his, his greatest opponents, I I almost feel like I have Paul Orndorff on that Mount Rushmore. Um, I just really think that, and especially now with, with the the benefit of of looking back and, and kind of seeing that build between Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Rowdy Piper leading into the war to settle the score and the the brawl to settle it all. And, and, you know, Paul Orndorff and Bob Orton were right there with, with Piper. And while I don't think Paul Orndorff had the personality that Piper had at that time, I feel like once we got to WrestleMania The match went down and it was, you know, I I feel like that ending at the main event with Bob Orton coming down off the top rope with the cast and hitting Orndorff and Hogan getting the pin. I feel like that was all the vehicle then to turn Paul Orndorff into a face, even though it didn't happen immediately. We did see it over the next couple of weeks. And then on Saturday night's main event, and then he's full fledged baby face and Hogan and Orndorff are kind of off to the races as, as this new, good guy tag team, and, and obviously Mr. T wasn't there uh, year round, so Paul Orndorff kind of made that substitute, I, I felt like, for, for Mr. T until, and it was the summer of 86, so about a, a solid year later, uh, that Paul Orndorff, and I can still remember, I don't know why, again, this is the way, weird way that my brain works, but uh, it was the summer before I was going into the uh, eighth grade, And we were having a family cookout at our house. And I remember superstars of wrestling came on at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings on KPLR channel 11. And I can remember watching that. And my parents were getting the house ready for this cookout that family were, were coming over for. And I can remember fearing that I was going to miss this tag team match because it was a big tag team match for, for uh, Sunday morning wrestling. It was Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff against King Kong Bundy and big John Studd. I mean, that was a huge match. And I remember the ending and, and how Paul Orndorff, you know, comes to save Hulk Hogan and he's helping him up. And then as he does, he clotheslines him and then he pile drives him and he turns heel. And I was devastated because I was a Hulkamaniac. Mr. Wonderful was my second favorite. I mean, they were, you know, I loved those guys. And then when he did that, I remember, being distraught the rest of the day for for this family cookout so uh, that for some reason that memory just really resonates with me but then as Orndorff becomes a bad guy again and goes back to Bobby Heenan and and then you know I hit that phase where I outgrew Hulkamania and by you know that summer when Orndorff was wrestling him and we went to the keel in St. Louis and and saw uh, the main event was Paul Orndorff versus Hulk Hogan, and some lady actually tried to get into the ring that night, and they pulled her out. And this was at the end of the match when Hulk Hogan was posing. Of course, Hogan wins, and uh, Hogan stopped the the security guards and let her get into the ring with him, and she mm-hmm. hugged him and stuff. So uh, that really all you know, 35 years ago, it it stuck with me, and and so I think that the stories that Hogan and Orndorff were able to tell together just really resonated very well for me.
2: Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit just uh, for those listening who may not know, and I want to make sure I know as well. When, when Orndorff left the Heenan family after, cause he was with, he, well, was he with Heenan at WrestleMania one?
1: I don't remember technically he was in the Heenan family but I don't remember Bobby Heenan being
2: at WrestleMania. Yeah, ringside.
1: WrestleMania.
2: But I remember on Tuesday night Titans uh-huh. Heenan saying something and Orndorff getting mad like like they had this plan and and that's to, in my memory that's when the turn to face kind of took its next progression. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember that at all or I don't have a Mandela effect, but yeah.
1: <laughs> so like Pop Paul owned fired Bobby Heenan on, on Tuesday night Titans. Yes. Yeah. That, that I could totally see that, you know, because you know, for younger fans who are listening to this show, they don't remember the days before raw mm-hmm. where it was far and few between where you were, you know, you had your Tuesday night Titans. I don't even know that. Um, <coughs> I guess, uh, what was the other, the syndicated show that aired on Monday nights on USA?
2: Uh, well, Primetime Wrestling was yeah. on Monday nights. Yeah, But, you know, you weren't
1: getting fresh, quote-unquote, fresh wrestling. It was all right. stuff from the the, the syndicated show, or the, um, you know, the... TV tapings,
2: yeah, the syndicated yeah. tapings, and then the, or house shows, major house shows like Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden, yeah, Philly Spectrum, so
1: so you obviously then remember that and 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 you know that turn and i just thought you know i thought at the time you know again this is 1985 going into 1986 roddy piper is still you know the number one antagonist on the wwf side and and hogan you know he and hogan are are still having their words but hogan back in those days you know like in today's wwe or you know you have a Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley feud that last for weeks, months, whatever the case may be. And they are each other's primary opponents. Although they have kind of peppered in some guys with Lashley here lately that I've enjoyed that. But, you know, back then on Saturday night's main event, it might be Hulk Hogan and Nikolai Volkoff. And then, you know, Hogan may team up with Andre the Giant. You know, it was I don't know. It was just a different way, I guess, of telling the stories. And you didn't have the pressure, I guess, of having weekly episodic television and, you know, all of of this other stuff. It was all driving to the uh, live events and the house shows and, and being able to go, like I said, when I went and saw Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff in the summer of 86. I mean, that night was still like one of those... I believe there was also a King of the Ring tournament that night that Harley Race won. And it was just those kinds of events that really I guess because they were so far and few between, they're easier for me to remember. And that's why we can recall those <laughs> early days of our right. fandom versus trying to remember what happened even last week at Hell in a Cell. Or, or money in the bank. It wasn't <laughs> even in a cell, so. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think when when you get so many matches matchups in a row like we've gotten with Drew and Bobby Lashley this year it's like hard to remember which one happened at which point in which mm-hmm. time and what happened at that match and yeah so I think WWE really needs to uh, you know this I I would hope and kind of getting off topic here but with a return to live events like wish they would have used this past year to kind of uh, refocus their storytelling and, mm-hmm. and kind yeah. of shake things up a bit but no, I agree with like it's going happen. And,
1: and since you brought up live events, and you know, we're talking about the 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 one specific one from when I was a kid, when uh, it was Hogan and Orndorff. Did you I, was was that first a live event you went to for WWF? Was that the one we were both at during the summer of '95, or were you did, were yes. you able to go to any of the other ones?
2: No, that '95, that eight-hour taping of <laughs> uh, Superstars with. Uh, Diesel versus Yokozuna in a steel cage was my first experience with WWF live.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, But you obviously had gone to some of those other shows, uh, more localized shows when you were a kid and, and, and saw those. I mean, you know, since you did bring up live events and now we're seeing them again with WWE and AEW and uh, impact wrestling, how important do you think those events are going to be? moving forward through the rest of the year. I mean, I, I, I could not tell you until I watched money in the bank. And then I watched SmackDown the other night, like how much I missed that crowd being a part of the shows.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think we've, we kind of realized, and this, this is where i have to give AEW credit over WWE, at least for the first four months of the pandemic is wrestling without a crowd is not that exciting and right. you need the crowd there to feed off of. And so, you know, AEW may have had other wrestlers around ringside, but at least when they did it, the wrestlers first knew how to act react like fans. Whereas when WWE had the NXT, uh, you know, trainees around ringside, it was like they'd never been to a wrestling match or wrestling event. And they were like, didn't know what to do, Yeah, which I mean, given some of the backgrounds of some of the people, maybe that, is plausible, but but yeah, you know I think it also a live a live crowd is going to tell you you know what's working and what's not. Whereas when you know for the last year when you didn't have a crowd there, WWE could do things that you know in my opinion the Bray Wyatt Alexa Bliss uh, chicanery didn't go over well with me. But on a taped show you can do the magical stuff that they were doing now. How are they going to do that in front of a live crowd yeah we'll, we'll find out, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting with with crowds to see which stars connected with an audience over the past year and which ones didn't and yeah. uh, I, I you know I can only hope that somewhere some somewhere out there someone is going to bring a bring back David Arquette sign to an event It may be me, but we'll see.
1: Well, he's on Celebrity Family Feud this week, so you'll need yeah. to check that out too.
2: With AEW stars, I believe. Or with independent wrestlers, I should yeah. say.
1: Yeah, uh, I know uh, Jungle Boy is, is okay. on that team. So. And Pretty
2: Peter Avalon. So.
1: Yes. But, uh, you know, getting back to Mr. Wonderful, and, and we, we talked about the, um, you know, the, the breakup with Hogan Going into then, you know, and again, this was, you know, in 1986, we were only, we were still at just one pay-per-view a year, and it wasn't really even pay-per-view, it was, it was still uh, closed circuit, or at least I, I'm not sure that, was WrestleMania, I don't remember if WrestleMania 2 was considered a pay-per-view, or if it was still under the closed circuit umbrella as well.
2: I think that was closed circuit.
1: Yeah. And so, it was
2: a Monday night, so that was yeah what I found weird, because you had prime time wrestling on Monday nights as well so wwf is in a way competing with themselves
1: yeah, absolutely that's a great point and you know it wasn't until you know the next year that we get the survivor series added to the pay-per-view schedule but the point being is that there weren't a lot of big events going on other than saturday night's main event every you know six or eight weeks whatever their schedule was um but Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff wrestled uh, in Canada at, I think it was the big event um, in the main event. And there were a lot of times where I think a lot of people thought that Paul Orndorff was going to win the championship. Um, We go then to that Saturday night's main event where uh, by this point it's January of 87 and I am, you know, I'm kind of off the Hulk Hogan bandwagon and I am, uh, fully Mr. Wonderful and hoping that Paul Orndorff wins the championship and they wrestle in a cage match and I remember it was Saturday night's main event I was gone on a uh, camping trip that weekend but of course recorded it my mom recorded it for me on on the old VHS VCR I got home Sunday afternoon and I remember immediately the first thing I did pop that tape in and watched and that's the night that both Clever finish, still my all-time favorite cage match. Hogan and Orndorff on opposite sides of the cage drop down. Their feet both seemingly hit the floor at the same time, and they have to restart the match, but they do the whole slow motion. And they really – I felt like – and this is where WWF always kind of outshined the competition. Even though the wrestlers may not have been as technical or as savvy as the guys over wrestling in the NWA – the production and the storytelling to me was was always just a, a, a hint above the other guys. And so whether it was the AWA or the NWA or world class, I, I loved all of it. But to me, the WWF just kind of outshined it with that production and that extra touch that they put on things. Um, and I remember you know, obviously, they restart the match and being devastated that then Hogan rallies back and wins. And, of course, this sets us up for WrestleMania three, where it's Hogan and Andre. And for decades, I always wondered, why did we not see Mr. Wonderful at all on the WrestleMania three card? You know, he was still – he's two months removed from wrestling Hogan in that Saturday Night's Main event. The month prior to WrestleMania, he wrestled in the Battle Royal, you know, that infamous Battle Royal. Uh, Hogan eliminated him from that too, but then you don't see him at all on the card. And I, it come to find out Paul Orndorff was the backup plan in case Andre couldn't wrestle or decided that he wasn't going to wrestle and, and put Hulk Hogan over. I never realized that until a few years ago, I believe Paul Orndorff himself mentioned that on a podcast uh, with Ric Flair. So uh, I, I, I was, you know, always dumbfounded as to why, one of the biggest guys in the company wasn't a part of the, the biggest show uh, up to that point of all time.
2: Yeah. I, you got me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, maybe and again, my memory is so bad of, you know, knowing what was actually going on at that time. Like, I don't know, you know, where would you fit him into the show?
1: Right. Well, and I mean, yeah, he was. I mean, the whole point of him not being on the show was in case you know, 20 minutes before Andre was supposed to go out, he got made the decision not to go. I like. I, it's my understanding that Orndorff was there, ready to go, just in case, mm-hmm. because they could have probably still carried on that storyline because it was such a great story between the between Hogan and Orndorff, and Orndorff came so close, you know. To me, there were times where it felt like he was closer to winning it than than Rowdy Piper ever got uh-huh. to it, and I think that Piper was definitely, you know, one of those guys who, again, Hogan. We were used to Hogan kind of getting in there and, and taking on Andre or you know Big John Studd, Kamala, King Kong Bundy, Nikolai Volkoff, those guys that were bigger than him. But when he got in there with guys like Orndorff and and Piper and even Bob Orton. To me, those were great matches as well because you got to see all sides of Hogan, but you also got to see these guys who um, maybe weren't as big as Hogan, but they definitely took him to the limit. Did what? Do you have any? Do you remember that cage match on Saturday Night's Main Event, or did you see any of that stuff? Do you remember any of that? Oh
2: yeah, I remember that because uh, unlike you, I think my Mania days ended about ten minutes after WrestleMania One went off the air uh and i was uh, not a hulkamaniac again until the early days of the nwo and i was very upset i was like no orndorff landed first look at the tape look you know um yeah. i also did not realize probably that that show was taped and was really impressed with how well they both seemed to land at the same time yeah. so uh yeah i may have been young and stupid at that time um but uh, you, you know i think. You know, and this is looking back at, at the way things were versus how things are now. I think had wrestling been in the 80s the way it is today, I think Paul Lowndorf probably would have been about a three- or four-time champion. Yeah. Um, but like we said, you know, back in those days, you had Hogan hold the title for four years, which, uh, you know, may have been a good thing and maybe added some legitimacy to the title. But, uh, but you look at how many guys probably – should have had a run with the bell, even if it was for, you know, six months. But
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, much different timing. I mean, even if you go a generation before that, with Bruno San Martino and Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund, I mean, those guys were champs for four, five, six, seven, eight years in uh-huh. some cases without ever losing it. But I feel like also you didn't have the grind, and I'm not saying that, you know, today's wrestlers have it rougher or tougher than anyone else Mm. it's it it is a very demanding job for anyone who does it no matter what decade or generation that they come from but um, I definitely feel like Paul Orndorff was one of those guys who I would have loved you know even though his time in WWF was very brief you know we're talking like I think late 83 to right around late 87 when he wrestles at uh, the Survivor Series. He's on Hulk you know, and, and kind of out of nowhere, he turns face again during that summer when Rick Rude comes in. Uh, Rick Rude's a part of the Heenan family, and there's jealousy and whatnot. And, and so Orndorff turns face again, and he wrestles on Hulk Hogan's team at, at Survivor Series, which was a little awkward. But, um, you know, it wasn't long after that then that he's gone. And we don't see him for a bit, and he, he resurfaces in WCW, uh, was part of Sting's squad when when Sting was wrestling Ric Flair for the championship at Great American Bash 1990. And uh, and then he kind of disappeared again and, and came back and uh, had a decent run. I mean, I always thought he always had good runs, but never uh, other than, you know, a, a brief stint as, as TV champion. And then uh, I believe he and Paul Roma were tag team champions for a minute. Um, I always, you know wondered or wished that that he would have had a little bit more in his WWF run. But even though I think he's probably most remembered and most noted for that, even though he had probably more success in terms of championships uh, during his WCW days, what do you remember much of his WCW run?
2: Yeah, I remember, you know, the pretty wonderful team. And, uh, you know, that's when the fans would chant Paula at him, which I don't remember that much from the WWF days. And then I mean, who can forget when uh, – except I'm going to forget the guy's name. I want to say Gary Spivey. Gary Spivey. Sh- <laughs> showed up to – when when Orndorff was on kind of a losing streak and losing uh, faith in himself, and Gary Spivey showed up to, uh, you know, hand Paul Amir and tell him that you're good enough, you're something else, and doggone it, people like you. <laughs> um, but – yeah, which again is just like uh, to anybody not from that uh, era who looks back on it now probably thinks it's like a bad fever dream. Yeah. Because I don't know why they brought in Gary Spivey. I don't know why Gary Spivey is a person who I know exists in this world. Uh, but yeah, that was just a, another thing. And I believe, you know, Pretty Wonderful, I think, had like a, by my memory, a two year feud with. Um, stars and stripes marcus bagwell and the patriot yeah um or at least it, you know it could have been like two weeks and it seemed like two years it i felt, don't know yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah uh, you know and then i remember in the later days of um of wcw when Horndorf was kind of like the mentor to the some of the new blood guys and and he was in a match you know i can't remember if it was on nitro or it was on a pay-per-view and that's where he got the stinger not from sting but when he got dropped on his head and lost feeling in his arm and i think that yeah. kind of put an end to his in-ring career but i believe he was still training guys at that point point. and yeah. then of course you know if we're going to talk about wcw uh memorable moments there's the um you know the story about him and vader getting into the fight in the locker room and orndorff uh basically getting the better of vader yeah and that was the last we ever saw of vader in wcw
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised by that because Vader is obviously this big menacing uh, individual and Paul Orndorff, you know, was no slouch and and by all accounts, a a legit tough guy. But by this point, he's, you know, I don't think he's wrestling as as actively. I think he was an agent actually at this time Mm. and was telling Vader to get on to do whatever needed to be done. And, you know, the atrophy that he had, had going on with his body and losing that muscle mass and, and, and whatnot, you wouldn't have expected him to uh, basically whip Vader's ass, which is what many people account for that story. In
2: flip-flops, I believe.
1: Yeah, Sorry. he was wearing flip-flops, too, which they said if he had been wearing uh, boots or something, you know, shoes, yeah. uh, Vader's face would have been much more messed up because apparently he kicked him a few times as well, <laughs> knocking him down on onto the crown, so. But yeah, I just I feel like he was a, one of those characters who um, a, a significant part of of my childhood. And 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 here's here's a, a Paul Orndorff story that uh, I had obviously collected the LJN characters, the toys when I was a kid, and I had a couple of the Bendham ones, and one of them was Paul Orndorff. And for some reason, I don't know why I was doing this, but I had a pocket knife out and I was messing around with my Paul Orndorff figure. And I had taken the knife and I put it in his back and I cut his back because I wanted to see what the inside of this bend looked like. And I took the knife for whatever reason and with Paul Orndorff on the end of it and I jabbed it into the wall. And when I did that, it closed the pocket knife on my finger and sliced and I, to this day, this was 35 years ago, to this day, I still have a big ass scar on my finger (laughs) from from this knife incident so
2: well uh, kevin i tell you but i don't think scars go away
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> that is true <laughs> thank you for reminding me <laughs> um but yeah i i don't know why i did it but uh, it's one of those things i when i think of paul orndorff for some reason I, I you know i always think of the way i abused that figure that toy which now today i obviously wish i still had it because you know I'm a collector and (laughs) I miss the fact that I have it, but uh, yeah, he's just, again, one of those characters who to me, the the matches with Hulk Hogan and the feud with, with, with Roddy Piper and, you know, his, his work in WCW, which, you know, admittedly I was not as big a fan of as I was in those WWF days, just partly because that time of, of, of my life, I was, in college and I wasn't watching wrestling as I was still reading the magazines and watching when I could, but I was not watching as actively. So, uh, but still uh, was good to see that he was, you know, getting some, some great matches and some competition and, and being able to be a part of of the stories and the shows that were going on.
2: Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I'm trying to think, like I said, I think other last thing that I can recall with, Orndorf is just that uh, that match in WCW that ended his career and then he kind of vanished. And yeah until he until he got into the Hall of Fame, uh the WWF Hall of Fame, which you know, when he went in with the class, I believe they did pretty much all of WrestleMania one. Yeah. At the time. And that one wasn't open to the fans. They didn't televise it. And I don't know if it's been released on DVD, if it's on one of the collections that I have in storage somewhere but uh, I don't know if it's on Peacock probably not and even if it is you probably can't watch it anyway Um, but yeah you know and then like you said we saw him in Miami and I believe he showed up uh, in a backstage segment at that Wrestlemania Um, but yeah other than that you know he just kind of you know stayed out of the spotlight for the most part
1: yeah he did he did and and you know obviously he fell ill and just a few weeks ago there were uh, a lot of concerns over his health and and whatnot and then uh, as this show drops two weeks to the day uh, that we received word that that Mr. Wonderful had passed away and you know I again I, I as we get older and and we're seeing you know the men and women that we grew up watching, whether it was in movies or TV shows or, or in the wrestling ring, listening to their music and stuff, you know, we're, we're kids of the 70s and 80s. And, and those that we uh, admired and, and, and watched are, are leaving us. And it's, it sucks. And it's sad. And it's, you know, but it's part of that whole uh, circle of life, as they say. But, um, you know, to me, Paul Orndorff is, is one of those guys, I, I feel like, was uh, kind of underappreciated while he was still with us. And that's why I, I, I thought back and, and that's why this show is, 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 you know, it could have been last week's episode and I, I had a different show already ready to go. And so I, I wanted to reach out to you and and, and do a little stroll down memory lane and, and talk about uh, Mr. Wonderful.
2: I think we uh, we did a good job yeah. and yeah, I, I I mean I, I'm still not getting back the 12 hours of watching the Marine movies in my <laughs> life, but hey. And by the time we do an episode about those movies, I will have forgotten about them, so I'll have to go back and rewatch them. We'll have to rewatch them. Yeah. So yeah. No, I, you know I I think you know I think Mr. Wonderful is kind of like a, a Roddy Piper in a sense that as, as a kid, I didn't appreciate how good he was at being a wrestler. Because mm-hmm. you know, when he was feuding, when he was a bad guy, I didn't like him. I, he's he, you know, and I didn't realize that that was the whole point, and right? Uh, by me not liking him meant that he was doing a good job, yes. I, um, so it's and I, and I, I am thankful, you know, we can make all the jokes about Peacock that we want, and Lord knows I've made several, uh, especially just for the name Peacock, which I understand is NBC's mascot, but come on now, you know, people aren't calling it Peacock. Right. They're simply calling it the cock, but, (laughs) uh, but it's good that WWF WWE is at least having their content available to watch somewhere. So fans today can go back and, you know, see these, these former stars and see, uh, what wrestling is like and see how boring it must be compared to now, because uh, at the same time, you know, there's a special place for jobbers, and I think they need to make a comeback, and jobber matches especially, um, although I still don't watch AEW Dark or Elevation, so maybe I'm a hypocrite, maybe I should shut up, but being able to go back and at least see the memorable moments of, of guys' careers is a good
1: yeah. thing. Well, and and before I let you go, since you you mentioned uh, AEW and memorable moments from guys' careers, there's been a lot of speculation and talk over the last week or so about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk both heading to AEW. Do you think – I guess I haven't seen anything official from those wrestlers or from AEW. It's all the dirt sheets and stuff putting stuff out. I – Assume they are going to debut at some point, but what are your thoughts on, on these two um, big time? You know, I think they get a lot of big time love from the, from the internet wrestling community. Yeah. What are your thoughts on punk and Brian, or I guess Brian Danielson um, showing up?
2: Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's interesting. because I've, I kind of been off the grid for the last week. And so I, have not been on wrestling news sites and i kind of enjoyed it mm-hmm. and i'm like you know what maybe i need to go back and pre be you know pre-1995 when the internet didn't exist and just watch wrestling as a fan yeah and see if i can be surprised the uh, the unfortunate thing is i do watch like some recap videos on youtube uh-huh. and, and uh, they're with what what culture uh, wrestling i watch the ups and downs that they do for, for the shows. And unfortunately they also do other videos, um, you know, that they put out and, and the titles of the video will be like major spoiler stuff, like uh-huh. CM punk sign, you know, signing yeah. with AEW order. And I'm like,
1: Sigh. yeah,
2: you know, why do we have to put spoilers in? And I, I know it's to get the click, but just put like major wrestling star headed to AEW or, yeah, you know, be more, actually if you want people to click on it be more um uh that's what i'm looking for where you don't give the full information but uh anyway i'm just trying to like maybe not and and so that's why like if danielson and punk or yeah danielson um are heading in i don't want to know when they're supposed to show up i don't want to know you know and i've heard I, i did see one thing that said you know punk confirmed for chicago show which all out will be coming there in a few uh you know, in just over a month, which would make sense, but you know, I want to see how they do. And I think, I think AEW's roster is a little too big at the moment, but they do have a new show coming out uh, next month on TNT on Friday nights. And I I think, I think Punk and Danielson are probably the only two guys that can maybe move the needle as they say, Mm -hmm. and get people interested. But again, it's, it's all in how they use them. And, you know, you look at a guy like Miro, who, when he showed up, it was kind of underwhelming the way that they used him for the first four or five months. But now Miro is, is is in a good place. Um, So I think, I think, I I think I have better faith in Tony Khan uh, booking those two guys uh, effectively more so than say, if, kitty omega and the young bucks went to wwe
1: yeah that's Uh, that's a very fair point that's a very fair point
2: yeah but you know i'm also kind of intrigued by what's going on with impact wrestling with uh jay white showing up and are are we getting a bullet club versus the elite type feud i i don't know and um i just i i think the main thing is bring back the surprise bring and and not being a surprise like every show has to have a debut you know like right as as we record this the previous dynamite you had Chavo Guerrero showing up you had uh, uh, there was someone else who um, was uh, uh, Nick Gage showing up and I don't think you need to do that every week but if you can make it uh, impactful no pun intended then I have no problem with the guy showing up and I, you know, I would be curious to see what they can do. And, you know, CM Punk hasn't wrestled in six, seven years. So, right. You know, what type of shape will he be in? And, you know, and will the crowd be into him for like, you know, that first week or two, but then cool on them, depending on what they do. I, again, I'm not signing the paychecks. I'm not paying the bills. So, if, if AEW wants to bring in every single person who's been under on TV in the last three years, it doesn't affect me. Um, right. So I say, I say, you know, AEW is the only show that I watch currently on a weekly basis. I like what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I hope they can continue that. But at, at some point, there's going to be some lulls because you just can't hit a high every time out. So. Right. And I know that first... Serious Lowell will probably be the first show that I go to. (laughs) All
1: right, Chad. Well, as Uh, always, I appreciate your insight and uh, appreciate your thoughts on uh, the late, great Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up uh, this week's
2: episode? uh, No, I just, you know, over on the Positive Cynicism Podcast Network, uh, if anyone is uh, familiar with that, you may have noticed, we've been kind of on a hiatus. There have been some personal issues going on and, and things so hopefully we'll be back in the month of september with uh the wonder why and the new nothing but a good podcast shows and uh other than that uh out of touchstone my other podcast will also be returning hopefully in in september that's uh, like i said a lot of personal stuff with uh, the two hosts of that show and other than that, i'm looking forward to uh seeing getting together with you kevin this weekend hopefully for a Cape uh, Championship Wrestling Show. And I said, you know, this show, uh, Scott Hall is supposed to be there. I want a BAC contest between you and Scott Hall to see who can, who blows higher on the breathalyzer. Because oh. if the liquor vicar and the bad guy are there,
1: <laughs> it's going to be a good time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a time, but yeah, it'll be a time. Uh, <laughs> So, no, i looking forward to that. So,
1: Yep, yep, and hopefully, yeah, and we'll probably in all likelihood uh, record something next week as well, whether it's a movie mania or something else. Uh, we'll have another episode for you coming up next Monday. But in the meantime, friends, thank you so much for listening and have a great week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.